The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Well, I'm very excited to interview really an amazing person who's one of my favorites from where he lives. His name is Rodney Kemp, and he is a top North Carolina historian, educator, and storyteller. He was named North Carolina Historian of the Year in 2003, and Rodney has a passion for preserving the past, and his stories capture the voices and experiences that characterize all the generations of, we call them, the Coastal Tar Heels. He's what old-timers in Moorhead City in that area call the Fish House Liar because he delivers dozens of Time Ward history-based stories that actually contain many truths. He's very involved with the Carter County Museum of History and presents lunchtime story presentations to a packed house. And I want to say I lived in the Moorhead City area for 15 years I knew Rodney well. I recently went back and visited, and he's just delightful. And you may not come from that area, but the stories are just fabulous. Welcome, Rodney. Uh, thank you so much, Patricia. What an introduction. We can hang up, and I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It was really, um, it, it's just great. My question to you is, well, there are two questions. One, how did you learn how to tell stories the way you are? Was, is it natural? And why were you so interested in doing this? Two questions in one. Yeah, let me let me start with the storytelling. Nothing's natural for me anyway. It's everything's hard work for me. I did I did. I'm from an old fashioned Southern family. My father actually was from from Pennsylvania, but he married a lady from Alabama, and we located in North Carolina. And around the dinner table with me and my and my siblings and my parents, were the stories were told, and so uh, it was something I enjoyed hearing and I learned from it. And uh, then I had the opportunity to run into a speaker uh, when. I was working down in Wilmington, and uh, she was a motivational speaker. And I said, I would like to do that. And she said, you can because you just said you would like to. And she kind of instructed me and said, develop my own gig. And what I developed was storytelling. And I remembered some of the things that I had learned growing up here in Moorhead and, and in Cartridge County. And uh, and then I've embellished them, of course, which is what we fish house liars do. And uh, <laughs> I just love audiences. I love for people to laugh. I think laugh mm-hmm. is, a, is, a great, is a great tonic yeah, yeah, for, for this really day and time, is. particularly. Why do you think, and something, I just want to say something I remember, I was very honored to be chosen to be the executive director of the Moorhead City Sesquicentennial, which was in 2007, and it was really, I mean, I spent a couple years, I got to know so many local people because I'm a northerner, so it was great, but one of the things, one of the kind of, uh, the trademarks, one of the phrases is, Moorhead City is called a little piece of heaven, or Carteret County, and I've got to tell you, it really, really is. There's something about, what is it? What is it, Rodney? Yeah. 
that that came out of that the the centennial celebration in 1957, the 100th anniversary, and a, and a, and a lady coined that phrase a little bit of heaven since 1857, and that certainly caught me as a 10 year old because I happened to run the streets of Moorhead and know how special it was and how special the people are. Uh, uh, and of course, I grew up in a small community that as Moorhead was in, it's grown some since then. But that was a very important important part of it, and the, that centennial celebration is what piqued my interest in history. They put out a little booklet on the history of Moorhead City that I still ch- cherish to this day and have read several times and still use it as a reference book. And uh, that's one of the reasons that I continue to promote the history of the area, simply because I think it's important for people to know. Mm. And, and one of the things that is very interesting is something called the Promised Land, which That's is just man. a certain right, a certain group of houses on the waterfront, but they look like little shacks. Yeah, and 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 seeing the history of that is they're actually floated over from what we call Cape Lookout. Most of them were disassembled and and floated mm-hmm. on sail skiffs uh, across mm-hmm. the sound and then rebuilt uh, in the Promised Land section that was available land at that time. Some of the families had already moved, so it was uh, when the word got out that 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 Bubba was coming. Then everybody goes down in that family goes down to the waterfront and dis- gets him in loaded and gets into his property and builds his house right back for him as. A, a very interesting uh, part of it. What what my I always had lectured on the Promised Land and thought I knew the Promised Land, but uh, following the death of my wife, my brother who lived at that time at thirteen oh four Shackleford Street, that's in the middle of the Promised Land, um, asked me to move in with him, and that's when I felt the ambience of the Promised Land. I, I re- recall vividly sitting on Captain Gibb Willis's porch. That was a legendary name in the prop- Promised Land. His house was across the street from mine. And uh, in a rainstorm, and realized how beautiful and meaning this place is, and so I wanted to make sure the heritage of the Promised Land got uh, got recorded, and that's where I formed that Promised Land Society. I'm not a Promised Lander; I'm a plain old Moorheader, but I formed the Promised Land Society, and we've been extremely successful in the, in the four years we've been running. Well, you know, I want to ask you this because when I when I came back recently, I could feel that wonderful ambiance again. My question is: as you know. We're living in a troubled world, particularly, and if you yeah. look at the elections and all the backstabbing yeah. and the screaming and all of that, yeah. what, what, you know, what have you learned from where you are? What's your take on this? Because you're in a very different environment. Particularly, I have learned being associated with Promised Landers, Patricia, and 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 their heritage is is strongly family oriented. A, they're, mm. they're basically closely kin, but at the mm. same time, they're an isolated group in a cosmopolitan situation. They're yeah. not on the banks anymore; they're on the mainland, and so they gather together and and they share and they protect one another. We recently, one of our matriarchs in the Promised Land Society, uh, uh, was ill. And what was the tradition in the Promised Land is for her friends to sit around the clock with her. Well, she was she she Laura was in her eighties, so her friends were either not here any longer or not able to sit around the clock. So the daughters of her friends did that. And I asked them, I said, "What was that like?" I said it was very spiritual. That was a very important part of what we always did in the Promised Land is to to observe someone that's on their last legs and share with them and let let them know that the community loved them. Well, that. Touched me beyond belief. I, no one does that in this day and time you just described it when you started this question. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, it's it's there, and I think that's the other problem is there's a lot of distrust. 
I know. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, I, I, I have to, I have to, it's funny because I want to share this quick story because it kind of reminds me of what you're saying. And although this story really to you would be, yeah, but to me in, in the, in the environment we're living in that more urban environment, it was a big deal. So very quickly I was getting a flat tire. I called AAA and the man came out and really they're not, what they usually do is either tow the car or they have a spare. They put the spare on. But in my case, because my car was newer, it doesn't have a spare. So it has this little teeny kit that you fix. And he said to me, well, and I was, I was going to do my radio show, my other radio program. I had to get into the station. He said, listen, he said, I'll come back. He said, and I'll, I, don't want, I don't want to put the, the sealant on because I want you to be able to drive it right away. I don't want it to sit there. Fine. So then I had to call AAA back, and I didn't know if I'd get him again because somebody else might have said, I won't do that for you. Long story short, I come back out, I call AAA, and there he is. And I said, oh, wow. I'm so thrilled, right? So he comes, he says, well, I'm glad because I almost went off, but I kind of waited. He fixes the thing, puts it on in five minutes, Rodney. And I was so, I mean, I was so taken. He was beaming. And I said to him, you know, can I give you a tip or something? And he said, no, all I want is a hug. How about it? It, it, it really so was touch, right? Yes. And people would look at me and say, what? You know yeah. what I mean? You yeah. hugged a stranger? Oh, I mean, yeah, I would no, 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 yeah. Red flag. Yeah. It was really a heartwarming, I could cry thinking about because he really saved me that day. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. Yeah, certainly, and he, and, he, and he did it out of the graciousness of his heart, and that's, uh, that's something we may have lost in this world, but we feel it still in Moorhead, uh, in, in, in everything I do. I just am uh, very blessed to be around the people that I've, al- I've always uh, uh, loved, and, uh, and, and they still look after me, particularly old people, because they remember my, my father and my mother, and that's always good. I talk about my interview here at Chalk and Gibbs. I interviewed with Mr. H.S. Gibbs, who was, uh, was the owner, one of the owners at the time. And his question to me was, are you Louise and Truman Kemp's son? And I said, yes. He said, good deal. That was the end of the interview. I walked out of his office and was hired, by the way. Oh, this was Unbelievable. many years ago. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the family and the family tradition. Yes. And yes. I think maybe that's what we're maybe that's what we're missing. You know, for a lot of yeah. us who have children who are in other areas and we're and we're by ourselves, there's a lot of loneliness, Rodney. Yeah. Particularly around older people. Yeah. And you don't have that where you are. You have your family around you and your community. Amen. But there are a lot of people yeah. that are lonely. It's a, it's a really a problem. Yes, it is. It is, and and uh, and we need to reach them if we can, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, uh-huh. tell us one of your stories before we take a break. Just tell us. We've got three minutes, so tell us a three-minute story. Okay. In order to understand this story, you have to understand this first line. We people in Craven and Cartridge County take great pride in our ability to preserve corn in a liquid state. So the story goes that this preacher from Harlow uh, was preaching a revival service in uh, Pamlico County on a Saturday evening, and he preached on the second chapter of John where Jesus turned water into wine. And he was riding back home down Highway 101 or what we call the old Newburn Road and thinking about his sermon and thinking about how he did. And he had a little mason jar on the seat beside him, and every now and then he'd sip that mason jar uh, to quench his thirst and his parched throat. Well, he was pulled by a highway patrolman who accused the preacher of weaving down Highway 101. And the highway patrolman said, Sir, what's in that jar right there beside you? And the preacher said, It's pure brook water. And the, and the highway patrolman said, Can I smell it? And he smelled it and took his breath away. 
And then he said, can I taste it? And he tasted it and it burned his tongue and his throat. He said, preacher, that's 180 proof liquor. And the preacher screamed, praise the Lord, he's done it again. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. I told that to some highway patrolmen. They thought that was a pretty good line. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a great story. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, we've got, you know, actually, I think what I'll do is we'll break a little bit early so that we, we can tell some more stories because okay. I know that, that you have several other stories to tell. And okay. I just want to share again. My guest is Rodney Kemp. He is a top North Carolinian historian, educator, and he is a storyteller. And you're going to hear more stories from Rodney. He was named North Carolina Historian of the Year in 2003, and he has a passion for preserving the past, and his stories are just delightful. So you're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. We'll be back with Rodney Kemp right after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tired of wasting time and spending marketing money with little results? Are you looking for more leads, clients, and revenue in your business with predictable results? Tune in to Mojo My Business with the team behind Mojo Global, Ira Rosen, and Corey Michael Sanchez. Our program will showcase proven expert solutions that have helped countless businesses outsell the competition and gain massive market share. Mojo My Business can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone we are back and you're listening to the patricia raskin show i'm patricia raskin 
And I am today, I'm really honored to interview a, an old friend, Rodney Kemp, who's a North Carolinian historian, educator, and storyteller. He was named North Carolina Historian of the Year in 2003, and he has a passion for preserving the past with fabulous stories. And I knew Rodney when I lived in Moorhead City for about 15 years, and I was the executive director of the Moorhead City Sesquicentennial back in 2007. And I went back recently and, and got to see him again for moments. And I just loved his stories and really want to share them with the audience because, you know, there's so much good in the world and Rodney's stories are just filled with goodness and fun. Welcome back, Rodney. Okay. Rodney, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Okay, let's talk about the duck hunting. Some of the Tell us why yeah. duck hunting is so big in that area. Well, num- number one, there's a lot of ducks down here, and, uh, and that, that's part of the, uh, the, the heritage of, of the coastal area, particularly of eastern North Carolina and Carteret County in general, is the, is the ducks migrate through here, both, uh, going south and going north, and uh, so that's always uh, uh, open for uh, hunting. And they're good eating. People, people enjoy eating ducks, and those that know how to uh, cook them correctly can make everybody enjoy eating eating ducks. So it's a, it's a special, uh, special part of our heritage down here. So you have a special duck hunting story yeah, for us. Yeah. Um, because again, duck hunting is a big deal in Carson County and I've studied duck hunters and, and you got to realize that duck hunters think more of their duck dogs than they do their own wives. And yes. I've asked them that and they said, you know, you can, you can find another wife, but it's hard to find a real good duck dog. So oh, they take great pride in that. So Lester Gray and Howard Douglas are leaving uh, their homes at Cedar Island, going across Cedar Island Bay over to, to the Hog Island com- community to hunt ducks this particular day. And they've got the duck dogs in the boat with them. And Lester Gray just breaks the silence of the bone-chilling morning. He talks about his dog. He said, Howard, you know, my dog Trooper here is probably the best duck dog in the whole world. Well, Howard couldn't stand a boast like that. He said, Lester, a trooper there ain't even the best duck dog in this boat. said, my dog Duke is the best duck dog in the whole world, and $5 says I can prove it to you. So the bet was on. But when they got to the shore there to Hog Island, uh, Duke jumped out of the boat and disappeared up the shoreline out of sight. Lester Gray rubbed his hands together as if to say, this is going to be just $5 I've ever earned. That dog ain't even disciplined enough to hang around until we get in the duck blind. But they get settled good in the duck blind. Suddenly they just see this speck on the horizon coming down the duck, coming towards the duck blind at a fast rate of speed. And it's old Duke. And he skids in on his belly in front of that duck blind and he holds up one paw. And Lester Gray says, Howard, what does that mean? Howard said, that means there's one duck coming and we better be ready. Well, sure enough, here comes one little lone duck from that eastern sky flying in there, and they, they shoot that duck. Duke retrieves him, disappears up the shoreline out of sight again. Wait a few more minutes, and suddenly there's Duke coming down the shoreline at a faster rate of speed than this, this first time, and, and he skids in on his belly in front of that duck line, perks up both ears. Unless Ray said, how old does that mean? So that means there's two ducks coming, and they're flying low. Sure enough, here came two ducks, and they're just about water level. Bang, bang, they shot them both. Duke retrieved one. He let old Trooper retrieve one, so Trooper would feel useful in his story. Disappeared back up the shoreline out of sight. Howard got a little nervous, but suddenly they saw that speck on the horizon coming down the shoreline at a fast rate of speed. It's old Duke, but they noticed he had a stick in his mouth, and he was shaking his head furiously with that stick in his mouth. And he skidded in on the belly, shaking his head furiously with that stick in his mouth. And Lester Gray couldn't stand it. He said, Howard, what in the world does that mean? Howard says, that means you owe me $5, and there's more ducks coming you can shake a stick at. <laughs> I love it. 
Oh, it's wonderful. What a wonderful story. You know what's so great about this is that they're clean stories, Rodney. I try, I try to. My mama was kind of particular about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. We've got, we've got a few more minutes. Can you tell us, tell us another one, maybe of a different – yeah, we've got four minutes. So okay. give us another okay. one. Okay. A man from the western part of Carter County from the Brawl Creek area was, was uh, in the hospital in downtown Moorhead after a life-threatening gallbladder operation. And when his eyes came to and he looked at the foot of his bed, there was his wife, Edna. And in a weak voice, he said, you're right here beside me, aren't you, Edna? She said, yes, dear. He said, you know, Edna, when I joined the Army, you joined the nurses' corps. And when I was wounded, lying in that hospital bed, you were right beside me then, too, weren't you, Edna? She said, yes, dear. And then, and then, then the war ended, and we came home. We started farming, and I had that terrible tractor accident. You were right beside me then, too, weren't you, Edna? She said, "Yes, dear." So then, then we started our own business, and the economy went bad. And we lost everything we ever accumulated. You were right beside me then, too, weren't you, Edna? She said, "Yes, dear." He said, "Edna, I just want to tell you one thing. You are bad luck." <laughs> Oh, Ron, it's great. Now, do you, now, now, tell me how these stories come about. Do you you don't make them up? You you like take pieces? How, how I, I, I listen. I listen to speakers uh, a lot, and and then I, if I if I hit a story that I like, I, I convert it to a Carteret County story. But people stop me in what we call the WalMarts, and they tell me stories, and they and they know that I, I can. They think they they'll, they'll say you can use this one, and they'll tell me stories, and they drop you to your knees right there in the aisles of Walmart. And I go home and I write them down and work on them, and then I can develop those in into a part of my storytelling routine. I'm very, I'm very fortunate in a small community that I have that reputation of telling stories that are are not by any means demeaning to any group of people, but kind of accentuate their 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 uh, uh, feelings about things and, and their ways of thinking. Mm, mm. What would you What would you like to leave our listeners with? What would you say to people who, you know, are discouraged or down or feel like they don't have, you know, the community? What would you like to say about storytelling and history? What do you yeah, think? Yeah, seek out things. You know, in in in, the, in this world of uh, of the computer, you can cut on a story all day long. They're, they'll they'll tell them right there over over the over the computer and but surround yourself with people that are positive and think positive thoughts and think and think of the good blessings that you've already had and 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 more to come because i depressing is is a is a is a difficult situation and and i, I have people in my family that get depressed i don't personally i maybe it's because i'm a storyteller and i can lie my way out of it but i, I don't <laughs> but uh yeah but just stay around joy Oh, that's really wonderful. How can people learn more? Do you have any of these on tapes or recording or got, CD got or on, on YouTube? Got them on, got them on tape, and uh, I never have uh, written them down in a book. But I'm thinking seriously about that as I as I age. I'm thinking seriously about putting the stories in a book because I have them all. I'm not. A, I'm, I have to write out all my stories, and then I learn to tell them. And so that's um, that's uh, I've got them ready. I, I, I can. I'm gonna get that done. I'm thinking more and more seriously about that. Yeah, which is great. Now, you have a couple of things, I think, on YouTube, don't you? I, some people have put the, those on YouTube. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't watch them myself because that, that's too embarrassing. But, uh, uh, but I, I, if some people can, can get that, it would be good. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, um, that would be terrific because I know I've seen them. Yeah. All right. Well, and how can they find you? Anything online or Facebook or? I. 
You know, humbly, you can punch in Rodney Kemp and something will come up. Okay. Rodney, it it was really delightful to have you on this program. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Patricia. It's very enjoyable. Thank you. We'll stay in Uh touch, and I'll send you the interview. And everyone, go find Rodney's stories. They're terrific. Stay on the line for a second. Stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up uh, this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Um, Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.